0: Welcome to Pastor Standing Firm. It's a podcast for spiritual leaders who are leading today's church. My name is Jeremiah. I'm here with my friend Brian. How you
1: doing today? Man, I'm doing pretty good. The sun is finally back out, so I'm excited about that. We are uh, we are wrapping up our season today. Season
0: one! Right. Season one. Good job, Coming to man. an end. Woo-hoo! It's been pretty good. It has been really good. Thank yeah. you for all of you who've been listening. This has been fun for Brian and I. Like I said... First episode, Brian and I were just friends, pastors, and we were having good conversations. And yep. I was like, "We should share this with other people."
1: Yeah, yeah. And and we've gotten great feedback. If you want, hey, rate us on iTunes. But only the highest rating. If you want to rate <laughs> us badly, uh, then then you got the wrong podcast. So,
0: <laughs> what are we talking about today, Brian? So
1: today we're going to get into. Here's the title: Quit your job, follow the call. That's good. And what I want to talk about today, what we want to dive into is the idea of embracing knowing God, his presence, actual fruit, making disciples, and leaving lame attempts at innovation, ideas of attraction, really gimmicks, you know, uh, embracing a little bit more of the supernatural and the ordinary than the high experience so recently, and I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll drop some names, um, <laughs> uh, uh, because nobody knows who I am anyway, so they don't care. Um, but, uh, yeah, this past week we went to, uh, a friend of mine bought us tickets to go to Elevation Nights. Yeah, and they, they bring their thing around. There's a lot
0: of people from our church that were there. Yeah.
1: And, and there was, there was a lot of good to it. A lot of things I gleaned from it. And then there was some things that I was like, man, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what are we doing? And one of the things they've done, and I understand it, you know, I think, I think if anybody's the lead on the whole attractional model now, is there anybody bigger than Elevation at this point?
0: I mean, because Hillsong's been through all they've been through, uh, it really, you know, I mean, Elevation kind of stepped up and took that place. Right,
1: They're, that's kind of their new mantle, right? And they are, they are the hippest, they are the coolest of the cool church out there, right? And and that's fine. You know, maybe God's called them to be that. I don't know. I'm not judging Steve Furtick. I'm not judging his worship team. I'm not judging any of them or their hearts or their motives. What I am saying is I'm beginning to, in my life, judge the fruit of the methods.
0: Yeah. And holding scripture up to just think, telling the apostle Paul, hey, we're going to gather the ecclesia together and we're going to charge him tickets. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, just, I mean, I understand for you to operate a nationwide, worldwide concert thing, you know, that kind of, you got to rent out the stadium, all the things. I just think it's selling. I, I, I would have a hard time having a conversation with Paul and, and, and explaining to him that I wanted to sell tickets to gather the church together. It just, it would be a difficult it would be a difficult conversation. I don't mm-hmm. feel like Paul would would be as pleased as other people are
1: and and I again, I had moments where I felt like the Lord's presence was there and he spoke to me and other moments where I was like, ah, I'm gonna go to the bathroom Yeah, you know but one of the moments that probably was the most it may feel trivial but was the most upsetting to me. At one point, one of their vocalists, they have numerous vocalists and they all have, you know, dynamo voices, of course. One of them goes off on kind of a vocal tangent, and man, the guy can sing. You know, and it sings I mean, he's singing alto as a man, you know. Uh, he just wailing, and it was it was like, wow, that guy can really sing. And as they're done and and <laughs> just as a music guy, I'm never a fan. What I don't like about Elevation, this is musical. This is not spiritual. As a musical guy, like, there's no dynamics. Everything's just big, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that, I musically, I don't like that. Like, I want a moment of a reflection. I want a moment that, you know, why does everything crescendo? Everything. And that that's, but again, that's neither here nor there. That's not a spiritual argument. There's no scripture there. That's just a musical preference. But at the end, big crescendo. He's done his vocal, you know, thing. And the other, one of the other vocalists grabs his mic and looks at it and like inspects it and shakes it like it was on fire. I'm like, what are you doing? What are we doing? Yeah. You know, these are the moments that I'm saying, guys, this is a gimmick. It's a show. You know, I I, I was just telling you right before the podcast, I recently watched the movie Church People, which is... Not great. It's a Christian film that we decided to put a Christian comedian in the lead role instead of an actor and you know they did their best and they tried and 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 there's some good moments in the movie and and there's it's choppy and not great but uh, like a lot of Christian films that are just trying to make a dent and that's cool uh, I I do actually appreciate and honor the effort like they're trying um, but there's a moment you know in that movie where, They say, and this is what I want to get to, he says, you know, the the lead pastor is trying to go bigger and bigger. And he says, he goes, I don't understand, like, bigger than the resurrection? And it's like, there it is, bigger than the gospel? Can you get bigger than what Jesus did? Say it, man. Can you move, can you improve upon what happened at Calvary? Can we improve upon Pentecost and the word of God? And what the heck happened to us that we even started trying? Yeah. And I am guilty. Me, I am. What's funny is, you know, I go back and watch videos. I got some videos just the other day of when I was helping with like a middle middle school boys' group, and we had to do like a little end of year performance thing. And I just thought they were so awesome. And I look back and I'm like, you know, this was fun, and I loved watching my kids. But this wasn't good, <laughs> you know. And yet we're we're so convinced, you know. And I feel like. So much of this ends up being like our righteousness is filthy rags. Mm. Like What's changing? So here's the question I want to ask you, and I'll, I'm going to throw this question at you. you, know, I, you I, didn't, I, I, I probably met the Lord in a mega church, and then I went to a Bible college, but then post-Bible college, I've been in average and small and medium churches. Yeah, You've been in around the mega thing yeah. and kind of have pulled back, right? So we, we're opposite experiences, right? Yeah. And... And I think that that's what makes this podcast great. But as the person who led you to the Lord and discipled you, were they a big name?
0: They were not. They, they were very, very nobodies, but they are the ones who took that time to listen to the Lord and let God use them. And, you know... You wouldn't know anybody that, I mean, you wouldn't know Mike White, but he was the single biggest influence for God's work in my life than anybody. Well, tell uh, me about it. Tell me, what did he do? What- so I was in Teen Challenge. Uh, I had a drug problem as a teenager and uh, got in trouble got arrested, got court ordered to go to Teen Challenge. It's a drug rehab program. 12 months I spent there. Mike was one of the counselors there. He, his father was a very wealthy businessman in Miami, Florida. So this was in Florida that it took place. I was in, I was in Orlando going to Teen Challenge. And Mike had cocaine addiction. I mean, he had to, like—he would say—because he was a big, large man, very loud, very commanding. <laughs> he had this haircut. He looked like He-Man. Uh, if you remember <laughs> the blonde hair that kind of came down, he was just he was just enormous, right? And because he had done drugs for so long, he was just crazy, right? <laughs> and so he would say, you know, I, smote, I snorted so much cocaine that I could stick my finger, like, through my nose into the other nostril. Like, I mean, he was just— and I just thought, man, this guy has had an encounter with God. Mm. And for me, I was just like, I'll follow you. And so he was gonna go and be the director of a teen challenge of Barbados. And so I raised support. I got my plane ticket. I was all ready to go to go to Barbados to follow Mike because I was like, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with this guy as long as I can because like he's he's got something in him that I really need in my life you know and uh went to Barbados he ended up not going and that's kind of where God you know said you don't need him anymore mm-hmm. I, you, know, you got me now you need to learn how to follow me and not just mm-hmm. follow another man so I think for a little while my, my relationship with God was was viewed through what he was teaching me but eventually God said, okay, we're, 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 we're done with milk. You know, now we need to get to some solid food here. And that's kind of where that went, but that's, that's who he was. And, and, you know, unfortunately, I believe that he fell away from the Lord and I don't know where he's at today, but you know, that sure was a great, great season of my life. Yeah.
1: And like those moments there, the best to, right. We've adopted a model and an idea that God wants conversions but not necessarily disciples. Yeah. No, show me conversion in the Bible. Yeah. I hate to say it, but the sinner's prayer isn't in the Bible. Yeah. Now, I, have, I, I offer it, we say it, right? Because there's nothing wrong with saying what's our decision moment. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, Romans 10, 9 and 10, you know, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart.
1: Yep. We see a lot of that even on the day of Pentecost, right, in Acts 2. So, yes, but we never see that being the stopping point we see we don't even see that as a separate like chapter from the rest of the story now it's all one story and yet we've made it something else we've found gimmicks of let's have this lighting and let's let's do this and let's make sure it we all there's nothing wrong with excellence and flow right the bible even talks about decency and order and and order but we have truly pulled ourselves in to a ministry business model that's far more corporate than it is Mm Christ-like.
0: I was just having this conversation with our staff the other day, and I I said to our executive pastor, we're just deep in a conversation thinking about these types of things, and the, the conversation got to a point where I said, you know what, I feel like my role as a lead pastor is to be a chaperone for the church. What I mean by that is a chaperone goes on a trip with the youth group, and they're just there to make sure nothing bad happens. Everybody's (laughs) safe. Everybody's not doing bad things. Nobody's getting harmed. You're just there to escort the people. And what I mean by that is there are some people who view ministry like you got to have a a plan and a vision and a mission and all these values and statements and things. And you got to lead and you got to negotiate and you got to cut deals and you got to make things happen. You got to convince this and you got to push this. And I'm just like, I don't feel any of that pressure. Do we have a vision? Yes. Are we in a capital campaign right now? Yes. Are we raising money so we can make some improvements on the building? Yes, because it needs it. And God put it on my heart. This is what we need to do. But I'm not like actively like looking for those things. Like Mm -hmm. I don't feel like my assignment is I've got to come up with something. It's just, hey, like there are some needs in the body of Christ. And I believe, and this is why I told our church, this is not a, a fundraising campaign. It's a faith raising campaign. Like all all of my job is to do is to point you towards the one and say, believe what he said. And when you believe what he said, he's going to put all the other pieces in place, and and it just takes all the pressure off of me, man. I I mean, I'm just and so when I said I'm like a chaperone, I actually thought about it scripturally, and that's exactly what Paul teaches Timothy in the New Testament, and he teaches Titus. He says, if you desire to be an overseer. Mm. Well, an overseer, what do you do? Well, you're just making sure that you're overseeing things. You're not, you're not making it happen. Right. Holy Spirit is making it happen. Mm-hmm. All I'm doing is just overseeing it to just make sure. Okay, okay, is this in order? And 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 I just I, I interview when things are out of order. Like I handle a lot of problems. I have lots of difficult conversations with people because that's my role. My role as an overseer is I'm gonna make sure things are in order. And when they're out of order, I know what order looks like. And mm. God says go and get my body in order. And that's what I do. And I just order it and that's it. And I Easter man Easter this year. Like we didn't do nothing like different like we had a great little song mix our worship pastor put it together it was fantastic it was like a, some of the greatest hits of easter songs you know because he lives it wasn't that song but <laughs> it was some of the ones that just give you all the feels right it, it was like a, a medley kind of thing it was fantastic you know? got yeah. it yeah. there you go <laughs> it was it was really cool i i don't remember the songs but you can go on i'm sure you can find it on youtube somewhere but my message man my message was titled the gospel of the kingdom Uh, it was as let me just give you the thing there was no bells and whistles there was no people dropping from the ceiling (laughs) like we weren't we weren't doing any kind of performance thing because i just don't feel like that's what god's called us to in this season there may come a time when when that's what we're doing but right now man we're just just preaching the gospel and encouraging people and building people's faith here's here's what I want everyone to focus on, okay? Because this is what grounds me because I feel very grounded right now. And what grounds me is getting with our dream teamers. That's what we call our volunteers here, right. okay? Getting Same. with our dream teamers and just walking through life with them And seeing their passion for the Lord and serving out of their heart, not to get a paycheck, not to get accolades. They just want to serve Jesus because he's done something in their lives. And when I get around these people, man, I am just so grounded. I'm like, this is what we're doing it for, man. We're doing it for this. And these people are getting their lives transformed. As they serve others, God is pouring into them. And it just it just makes me feel like this is what it's all about. You know, I I was told God, I don't want to be a a teen challenge director just because I know the life of sacrifice that that would require. Mm. But it it does excite me to think about that, uh, that idea of, just going and, and just letting the gospel transform people's lives who have been incarcerated and drugs, addicted and I mean all crime, all the things, man, just got problems. It's like, let's go and watch this magic gospel go in and just transform people's lives. Like mm-hmm. it's just the coolest thing, you know? Yeah. And that's what grounds me. And and that's what I would challenge people. If you feel like you're getting to a place where you feel like, oh, it's all resting on me. I'm carrying the weight of this. I'm responsible for this. I got to make sure that I'm delivering it. And you're running with people and you're comparing numbers and you're talking to people about the thing. You're kind of getting caught up in all of that church leadership stuff that I had been caught up in. And I'm just saying, go get with God's people and just serve alongside of them and watch their beautiful hearts. Worship God by serving in the local church. It's just the coolest thing. Yeah. And you watch
1: this change happen in their lives that if you create enough distance between yourself and them, you're not going to see anymore. And that's what we've defined successful lead pastoring as, being a CEO. Yeah. Right? Show me in the Bible the teaching pastor that says, oh, I'm not good at counseling, I'm not good at hospital visits, but I'm really good at teaching. I got to tell you, that's in my... In, in my most spiritual way of saying it, that's crap. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that is not in our Bible. You say, well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' the teaching and prayer. Like, yeah, you know what they didn't do, though? You also see after that, Peter says to the lame man, you know, I don't have any money, but here's what I got. And he ministers to him. He prays for him. and He sees him get up and walk. You don't see that Peter's like, you know, I'm not really gonna give out my address. I don't do that. I come in through the back entrance.
0: You know, what have we done? Well, here's what's happened. We've had just had we've had we've lived lives in the world. And the world does things like this. And so mm-hmm. by default, we naturally just do it the way that we've always done it. We just walk on step with the world until God comes in and says, Hey. That's not the way that I do things. Right. I love James chapter 4. If you haven't read it recently, go back and read it. It is just powerful. James 4, he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Mm.
1: Right. He says,
0: change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. He says, weep, mourn, and wail. He says, mm. God opposes, Peter says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Peter's talking to church leaders right there. He actually says in 1 Peter chapter 5, you can go read it. He says, now to the shepherds and to the overseers, here's how you need to conduct yourselves. And then he says to everyone, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. He's speaking to us together, the ecclesia, the church Jesus says, "The gates of hell will not prevail against my church." What happens though is, if we're not careful, we just start doing it the world's way, and we've got to get God's heart on this and say, "You're not leading an organization,
1: mm-hmm. right? You're leading, You're leading an, an organism. organism.
0: It's it's a living body. This is the body of Christ. Right. And Christ it's not your body. Head. Christ is the head of the church. He yeah. is. God says." <laughs> Paul says in Ephesians, he says that, that, that God's going to show forth his wisdom to the heavenly realms through mm. his church. Oh, I'm like, whoa, angels are going to get taught some stuff by the way the church takes the gospel and the power mm. of the Holy Spirit and goes out and impacts people's lives. That's so powerful. Yeah. You know, the people
1: who probably meant the most to me in my life people don't know who they are. They walked with me. They sat with me in the mud. They poured into me. Some of them aren't in ministry at all, but they're faithful, loving believers. I've had a few of them on our podcast, right? Nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows who I am. You know, it's funny. Years ago, I led a master's commission, and we would travel and do ministry. And, you know, kids after after a performance, you know, after a night of ministry, whatever you want to call it, they would run up and want you to sign the T-shirts or sign their sign whatever. I've gotten offered uh, to
0: sign their Bible before. So. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> and and I remember just you know people would be like, well, you don't want to get a big head, and my response was like, you know, at the end of this night, I'm sleeping on a church floor in the church van. <laughs> Nothing about this is gonna make us make, but but and while that was beautiful ministry, what I looked at the ministry was that student that was driving along with me you know i have five kids and all of them as far as i can tell really love the lord and they love their local church and and it's messy we don't have a perfected program we don't have a lighting thing down to the down to the minute uh we we i mean we're professional it's good i think we have a good church i think it's i think there's the excellence factor is, is strong but it's not you know it's not it's not what elevation has, and I'm not trying to be that. But why? Because they saw the beauty of the ordinary. I have a son who for a couple of years just lamented his tiny youth group of five or six kids. And through that, I'd disciple him and I'd talk with him and say, What if God is but you are friends with a guy who's 30 in our church and a guy who's 20 something and a woman who's 50, etc.? And They all know your name and you know all theirs. And when they're having a bad day, you pray for them and vice versa. And and they love you along, like, you're encountering the body. And if you had the best, biggest thing, would you get that type of discipleship? Now, don't get me wrong, right? Crowds aren't bad. Excellence is excellent, right? We're for all of those things. But we've made a mistake of that is the goal, no, the goal is the Great Commission.
0: That's it, man. And I think I think that's so important, what you just said. The goal. What's the goal? I, I mean, I remember having that conversation with Gary a, a few episodes ago, you know, and, and saying, you know, wh- what are you shooting for? Like, what's success look like? You've mm-hmm. got to define what success is. you got to have a heart moment to say, what is success? For, for us, success has changed lives. It's yeah. just people's lives being changed, if God wants to give us thousands of that happening, let's go. If God wants to give us hundreds or even tens, let's go. Yeah, It's just changed lives. It's, right. it, and if you lose sight of that, if you start making the goal something else, you really run the risk of really making decisions that aren't focused on Jesus' mission, But really focused on kind of a semi quasi just a little bit of Jesus' mission, but a whole lot of just worldly ways. Mm -hmm. And that's what my kind of refining season has been in recently. Is God's just been stripping away? I was told. I told my wife the other day when we first got to this church. You know, there's a whole staff of people that we inherited, and we don't know them. They're all strangers. And the first staff meeting I got to, I just sat at a table and had a bunch of strangers look at me and saying, "What are we doing?" You know, and I'm like tell me what your name is and what do you do? You know, like it was, it was that kind of level of like, okay, here we go. You know? And I told Bianca, my wife, I said, you know what? I was like, I think the very first thing that we should have done is said, I would like everybody to open your Bibles to first Timothy and we're going to read first Timothy, second Timothy and Titus, because this is going to tell us what our job is here. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like that's it. I should have done that. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. That's why I just, I'm feeling so, I need to get the word. I mean, I started reading the ESV instead of NIV recently, mm-hmm. like probably six months or so ago. I told our church, Hey, if anybody likes to read the Bible that I usually use while we're doing it here, I'm shifting it to ESV because I wanted a more word for by word, word translation sure. rather than the thought for thought because if you get a thought-for-thought thought translation like the NIV, which is what I used for years, which is what I grew up using, memorized a bunch of scripture, and that was the main reason why it took me so long to switch because I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be all misquoting everything because you start reading those passages that you read all the time and they use different words and it's hard for your brain to say, forget about what you used to, mem-, you know. And mm-hmm. I've just been doing it because I've been so hungry for the word, man. Mm-hmm. I was reading, and I read the one-year Bible. I was reading in uh, uh, Judges uh, about the story of Samson. So I open it up, and there's Samson's parents, and Samson's mom gets a visitation from an angel, Mm -hmm. and the angel gives his mom specific instructions on what she's supposed to eat Mm -hmm. and drink. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a child, And he's going to be a Nazarite from his birth. Mm -hmm. No razor is going to touch his head. Mm -hmm. And this is the stuff you need to eat. So she goes and tells her husband. Her husband's like, oh, my goodness. Let's pray and ask God to come back again. So the angel comes back again. And they're like, I need all the details. Give me all the details. Tell us where where are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to do? And the angel says, I told the woman, you're supposed to eat this. Mm Mm-hmm do it (laughs) like there is no more details given to you just do it and so that's the way i've been posturing our my life my leadership i've just been posturing in such a way that i'm just gonna do what he says to do and i'm gonna watch him do it and i'm gonna just watch it and have fun i'm just gonna enjoy the ride and and that's what we've been doing and that's that's as simple as it gets for me yeah i found that the more
1: we leaned into the purity of the word of reaching people, of loving lives, of saying, you know what? An ordinary Sunday is fine. A low Sunday is fine. Matter of fact, maybe God's in it. (laughs) There's a crazy thought. Things like that. The more I did, the more fruit we saw. Yeah. The more I, it felt like I wasn't trying to sit on the throne. Yeah. You know what I found? I got a big butt, and my th- butt doesn't fit that throne.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: like, I don't belong in it, you know? Uh, it it It's not a place for me to be. And that's good news, not bad news. One of the stories that comes to me, and this is just me being real transparent, before we launched, I was just absolutely terrified. like Because we didn't borrow money, because I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke and said, don't borrow any money, do this in faith. And uh, that doesn't happen to me a lot in my life, like where God says, do this entirely in faith. So if you're like, oh, he's one of those faith guys. Like, <laughs> I'm actually not. Um, I'm pretty pragmatic. And, and I was like, all right, Lord. And we are weeks from launch, two, three weeks from launch. And I am just absolutely terrified. And there's money there. People have donated. Uh, you know, there's money coming in. And, and there's a good 30 strong in the, in the launch team and stuff. And I just keep going over, what if nobody comes? What if this bombs? How am I going to feed my family, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, I know there's money there. I know some people are going to come. I know we're doing the best we can, et cetera. And I was calling and talking with a friend, and they said something so good. They said, you know, what's wrong isn't what God isn't doing. It's that no matter what God did, if he gave you a million dollars and a thousand people, it wouldn't be enough. Mm. Because what's wrong isn't what's wrong with God. It's what's wrong with you. Mm. Man, that nailed me we have created and adopted a level of platform and influence that we have to have in order to feel affirmed or wanted by god or or our peers or the world and the truth is if they're all pretty messed up right if you want it from your peers you've got you've got idols if you want it from the world you probably got sin and if you want that from God, you've got a bad theology because he's already done it. It's already finished, and he already approves of you. You can't improve on that, and if you think you can, you are mocking the cross and the resurrection. Say it. So what are we doing? Why aren't we out there loving and serving our people and simplifying it? Preach the gospel, make him known, and, and don't worry about the rest. Stop. I, I get it. We all have to make we have to make hard decisions and we we have to cast vision and things like that. I do get the, all that, right? I understand that that's part of the deal. But what if you took yourself off the throne? And just said, you know, God, I'm going to trust you to lead it here.
0: Let me, let me let me frame it like this, okay? So we're in this capital campaign, and mm-hmm. we we receive pledges, and we got these projects, and our elder board's about to meet. We're going to distribute some funds and do some construction things around here. It's going to be very exciting, right? So one of the things that I've heard from the Lord is make sure you keep the vision in front of people. Like keep mentioning it. Like you got to talk about it a lot because they're not thinking about it unless you're leading them to think about it. You know. And so I'm like, okay. So we're going to do that, you know, but what I'm doing is I'm leaning into the season of just being there with the people and serving people and loving people. And I mean, just, it's just, it's just really fun. You know, like I said, with all the dream teamers just working alongside of them, you know, going and serving, you know, in the parking lot, just, you know, every Sunday morning I'm out greeting people. I'm opening the front door up. And, you know, people are just, it's just, I just love it. I'm just having a great time with it. But what I'm finding is God is doing some of the things for me without mm-hmm. me even having to do it. So we had this testimony video we did this past Sunday where there was a woman in our church who came to one of our pastors and was saying, hey, when you delivered this idea right here through God's word, it spoke to me, and this is what I did in my life. And, and they were like, hey, can we record a video of this person and show it because it goes with the, the capital campaign. Mm-hmm. I was like, let's do it. It was one of the greatest videos ever. Like, I can't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I I can't. I can't come up with that kind of stuff. You can't just ask Mm. somebody, would you do this? It came out of her heart, man. It was just like, and dude people responded to it. It was a generous thing that came. And I'm just standing back and I'm just saying, thank you, Lord. Like, just do what he says to do and watch what he does. We had a staff meeting just the other day. And one of our, we have a a celebration, an inspiration, and then a a communication. Those are, that's kind of how the meeting breaks down. You know, so we start by celebrating. We celebrate one another. We celebrate what God's doing in the church. We celebrate dream teamers who are just excelling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And one of our staff members, they put on their celebration, you know, because we we create an agenda in advance and people can submit what they want in there. So we have an order for the meeting and stuff. And so they, they, they put, I want to celebrate Jesus on the mm-hmm. thing. And everybody's like, yeah, we all should be <laughs> celebrating <laughs> Jesus. Like this is what we should be doing, you know? But the celebration was, God is working in people's lives, and it's it's amazing. All we have to do is just kind of like walk alongside of the Holy Spirit and just, just mm-hmm. do the things that he says to do. Like, hey, I'm working in somebody's life. Just go and ask them how they're doing today. How are you doing mm-hmm. today? And it's like gushing out, and it's like, okay. It's it's literally like the Holy Spirit is like just telling us stuff, and we're just celebrating the fact that God's doing it, and we're not doing it. We yeah. know we're not doing it and and the celebration was we are not doing it it's just the it's the coolest season and i want to stay in this season i want to continue to have this heart so i'm going to have to listen to this podcast again <laughs> when i when i get get into yeah. a, a an out of order place that
1: the title of this podcast is quit your job follow your call well what i want to argue is our job description changed in ministry over the years and it changed from uh, it changed from make disciples to multiply the organization scale it back pull pull it down cuz what if the tower you're building isn't his kingdom but the tower of babel Whew. take down some bricks pull it literally just ask you i mean right this is the great this is the story of what put matt redman on the map the song the heart of worship they just stopped singing worship for a while cuz the pastor's like uh this has become something it's not supposed to be, so we're just going to stop singing. And they stopped for a long period of time. And then they came back, and they had the best time of worship they'd ever had. Maybe in the, in the, in the life of the church, they were just blown away by God's presence because they had made music something it wasn't supposed to be. What if we did that? What if we just said, take it down a notch? Let's just slow down. Let's trust God that I don't need to I don't need to hurry his return and I don't need to I don't need to fill the room. It's his church. I'm going to Don't get me wrong. Some we work, right? We both worked for guys that basically said produce, 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 right? I did too, even in small churches. Like you better produce, right? Am I, I is mean, that fair? Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. work
0: for somebody. It's like, "Hey, get the job done."
1: Right, right. And and there's room for you're supposed to work hard. But actually, it was recently at a conference at your church that I thought was so good. The speaker said, it was J.P. Dorsey, right? He said, you know, all these pastors that have this mentality that there's all these people in ministry trying to get away with it and be lazy, who are they? I haven't met them. <laughs> who chooses a lesser of an income for a 24-7 on-call job, you know, that has the really the eternal benefits and retirement rewards on the other side of death? Not, not a lot of people are like, sign me up for that one. Right? It is a higher calling and harder than most jobs. That's not me saying we're better than it, it is. It's different. It's a lifestyle. And so if we've chosen that, we've got this mentality that all these people are trying to get out of work and they're not. Right? Let's honor them. Let's love them and say we're all going to work hard. We're all going to be faithful. We're all going to keep our hand on the plow. But there's a difference between keeping your hand on the plow and trying to make it rain and make the sunshine and make the thing grow. And and if you push faster and harder, like, no, just, just, you are, you are unequally yoked with the father. And, you know, the, the yokes, I'll unpack this for those who don't know. But if you're a spiritual leader, you probably do, right? Those oxen yokes, they could be adjusted. They could be changed. And Jesus said, you know, uh, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, because they could take a weak oxen and attach them to the strongest one, and the weak one's going along thinking, I'm just as strong as the big guy. Yeah. Because, and it's like, no. No, you're not. You're, You're doing virtually nothing. You don't realize the weight of ministry isn't supposed to be on your shoulders. Yes. It never was. It's already been done. It is finished. I read that in a book somewhere.
0: (laughs) Here's, Here's what Paul says to the church in Philippi, okay? Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Here's what he says to this church. He says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out for my deliverance, because he's in jail, and it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed. But it is with that that I have full courage now, as Christ will always be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen to his perspective here as he explains this idea. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I would dare say that in the American church for a large part, to die is not gain. He says in verse 22, I want you to hear this. He says, "For if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for all your progress and your joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And then he says this, if you drop down to chapter 3, starting in verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And then he says in verse 17, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. <laughs> it's just people, 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 and I'm going to be with Christ someday. People, 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 and I'm going to be with Christ someday. <sighs> he just he, he never, the New Testament is our book. It's our guide. It's our guide. It is. It is what we do.
1: Jeremiah, I missed the growth percentage point that he I said know. they were supposed to get to there, and then I also missed how they were supposed to contextualize the gospel into uh, either either something race based or something uh,
0: uh, prosperity based or like. Because because church is in an organization that the world recognizes, and you have a 501c3 and you're registered with the government, and all this thing, you got signs and you got ordinances in your local city, and you got all these things. You can forget that that the the gospel thrives in an environment. It just just thrives in an environment where you're just pointing people to the Father and saying, Look Mm. at what God can do. And, and so that's, that's what my wife really kind of has been pouring in the, these things to me through out of her relationship with God. And it's just been, it's just been so good. Uh, our people have been praying for us. They've been telling us that, and I, I just got to give it up to the Holy spirit because he's been using the people of God to pray for us. He's been working in our lives in an extraordinary way and just cutting out some of the stuff that doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. We, you know, on the pragmatic side, you know, we're told I went to the church planting camp, and like you got to have all the signage everywhere, and you got to buy all the things, and you got to have the best equipment that you know, and you've got to pipe and drape the whole room and kill all the lights so you can create your space into a worship space, etc. You know, th- there's value in some of that, right? People don't people don't want to feel like they're in a gym, and you definitely don't want it to smell like it's a gym. It's hard to <laughs> worship, right? Smell the fragrance of the Lord when you're smelling somebody's gym socks, but. You know like our our location now is a very nice location very and they're doing a good job, but we just decided like, do we really need to pipe and drape this entire room? people I'm not fooling anybody they know where we are. How <laughs> we pipe and drape the part that you're looking at because it just want it to look better yeah you know um we we had road flags, you know, and so you can see where you're going. We have road flags and some other sandwich signs that you can see where we are and where to park. For a while, I was like, oh, "You got to have the road flags," and and they broke. You know, just being outside over time, we need new ones. Well, new ones cost $1, fifteen hundred bucks, and I want to get them. But the truth is, right now, it's like, well, we could, we could, we could spend that, or I could just tell my people, "Why don't you invite and bring them, and why don't you disciple people in your own life?" And we'll see what God fills the house. Yeah. And instead of saying, "If we don't have road flags and the place isn't full, that's why." No, maybe it's because our people aren't making disciples, and I'm not doing a good job of teaching them to.
0: The old Kevin Costner movie, Field of Dreams. Right. Build it, and they will come. Right. We've made that our theology. But I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if, if building people is what God's called us to do. Amen. You, you build the people, right. and they're going to come. Right. If you read through the New Testament again, once again, it's, it's, it's kind of the most important book that we can read for church growth. Okay. So let's just make sure that we got that in perspective here. Okay. Paul and his devotion to the people around him. One of my favorite, favorite passages is Acts chapter 20. Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. And it says that they knelt down and they cried and they hugged because they thought this would be the last time we're going to see Paul. And he's done so much for us. It's just, it just says relationship with people and, and Paul's letters. I mean, he gets done writing his letters and he's like, and -and so-and-so give a shout out to them. And he gives the little shout. Remember radio stations back in the day. They're like, who do you want to give a shout out to? You know, Paul was just shouting out people, man. (laughs) And I just think that we've got to get that perspective again and say, what am I doing? I'm building people. I'm listening to the Lord. I'm building people and I'm giving shout outs, Mm. man. Like that's what I'm doing.
1: Here we go. Measure the fruit of the tree, not the size of the room. Man. Measure the change in the life, not the change in the
0: size. Let's start doing that. And listen, when you do that, I guarantee you the gospel will take effect and you will see people's lives being transformed and the house will be filled. Like It's just going to happen. And you've just got to have a faith mentality that says, I'm going to focus on what I'm supposed to focus on and I'm going to let God lead me. He's going to bring in the business person into your church who, who who's just got that business acumen and they are going to know exactly the decisions to make. They're going to join your elder board. They're going to start pushing that forward and you're just going to sit back and be like, I'm just going to keep Sweet. pouring into people. I'm just going to keep them pouring into people. I'm just going to keep pouring into people. What? What? Look at what God's doing. There's a banker who comes in and they're going to negotiate. Oh, okay, we're going to get that building. We're going to buy that land. We're groundbreaking. Like, I mean, it's going to happen for you yeah. guys. Yeah,
1: that's right. Well, and that's a conversation we're having today. And I, I, I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a real estate agent. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not an investor. You know what? Like, I have a retirement plan, but that's it. Like, this isn't. I'm terrible at this. What am I doing? And then it was like, why don't we put together like a building team of guys in our church and 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 women in our church who who actually know what they're doing and <laughs> they do this for a living. And I already have guys like, why don't we do this? What am I doing? Like, these are these are people with gifts and abilities that I don't have. But because I've been sold that I'm the CEO, and I have to be the captain of the ship and make all the decisions. I can empower disciples to do the work of the kingdom and the local body. That's crap. <laughs> no, let it go. And you're like, well, what if you don't have a job one day? Then you did your job. Wow. If you can't walk away, it's because it owns you. Ooh. The Holy Spirit doesn't. That's not your church. Let it go. Yeah. Man, I, my pastor shared the story with me. I work with a great pastor for a lot of years who really left a lot of big ministry to to a, back to a local church. And he sold that into my spirit and into my soul. I'm so grateful for him. His name is Brian Peterson. But he, he, he said, you know, pa- the thing about being a pastor, do you know who we are? Like in the story of like Esther, you know who we are? We're the eunuch. We prepare the bride, but even if we wanted her, we can't touch her. She's not ours. Mm. We're only preparing her for the king. We can't do anything. That's who we are. That's who the pastor is in this story. Get your hands off it. Stop. Get your hands off her skirt. Stop. (laughs) Like I'm not saying you can't sell a book. I'm not saying you can't you can't go around and speak some. That's fine. But what's our heart? What's our
0: goal? What's our motivation? Quit the job and follow the call. I love it. Here's, here's let's close with this, and this is the 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 last episode of season one. We're going to be back with season two in September of 2022, and so it's going to be really great. So hopefully you'll be able to tune back into that. But here's here's really the heart of what this podcast was built out of. Is we were a part of a church culture that I realized that the body of Christ is sick. Like we have, we have Mm. an illness right now. It's it's worldliness. It's James four. Yep. Adulterous people. And I just says, man, I want to, I want to talk about the struggle that it is to stay in that pure place. Yep. And that's, that's really what this is all about. It's me and Brian saying, Hey, we were, we've been a part of, 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 of a sick bride and we just want to talk about the ways that we contributed to that and the ways that we're sometimes blindly figuring our way out of where we've been because there's not a lot of examples to look at because the people that are put on pedest- pedestals, they're speakers at conferences and stuff, it feels like it's just perpetuating more of the same. And, and, and I just wanted to be a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, make it straight, man. It it is very simple. It is not hard to understand. We overcomplicate it. And this has been a very, very fun discussion today.
1: It's been so good. I, I, there's a story on my heart I want to share and I don't know why, but I feel like, and I hope I sense the Holy Spirit's presence in our conversation. I hope you feel it wherever you're listening in your car, on your treadmill, on a walk. But getting back to that purity before the Lord and saying it's just you and me. Years ago, in one of our masters' commission years, we had to rush to get out on like a ministry tour because of dates and stuff, and teaching them dramas. And one of them, they they screwed up so bad. I kid you not, Jesus got up and down on the cross three different times, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was just an absolute disaster. You know, I'm like. Oh man, there's some scriptural problems with this, <laughs> and and because they just they just forgot they hadn't done it much and they didn't know and yet God moved and showed up. It was a mess, and God moved and showed up with their mess, with their accident, because people didn't people didn't look at that. You know that's not what they remembered. They remember the Holy Spirit touching their lives. You know, at the biggest mega thing. Is that what you remember? Do you remember the Holy Spirit touching your heart? It really wasn't about if it was big or small. Nobody cares. I don't care if your church is big. And don't don't send us any emails saying, I turned in my resignation. Now what? That's not what the title of the show means. What I'm saying is follow the, get back to get back. Oh, the heart of worship. Scale it back. Get, get back into the Holy of Holies. Get back to the place, Lord, I want to hear from you. Speak to me. Use me. Make me live supernaturally again and not just in the natural.
0: It's been good. It's been a fun season. Can't wait for season two. Thanks for joining us on Pastors Standing Firm. Brian, I love when you say it. Go ahead and close us out.
1: Pastors, leaders, people of the spirit, when you've done all you know to do, stand. Stand.